Today we're going to be continuing our series in Colossians. We're actually nearly at the end. We've got one more after this. But today we're going to focus on Jesus is the fullness. I'm going to read from the top to remind us where we've been and up to verse 19 where we're focusing today. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he's before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he's the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. And this is what we're focusing on today. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In him, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Some of you may know, I like poetry. I am an internationally published poet. (laughs) Italy, that's right. They wouldn't publish it in England, but there you go. Um, (laughs) And I know about poetry. I went to theatre school. I learned about poetry for Shakespeare and all sorts of other things. Um, What I'm not so hot on is ancient poetry or this song, this hymn, this Greco-Roman Hebrew thing going on. Because there are a few schools of thought, and I can't add anything to it. um, Because some people actually feel like this isn't part of the song. Um, which kind of makes sense because he's, it feels like he's recapping. He's fully God and fully man. He's the image of God. Look at, you want to know God? Look at Jesus. That's where we started. And I have, I have some sympathy for this because, you, you know, when you sing out in worship, and I applaud those of you that did this morning, oh, God, we sing wonderful things about you, and, and we remember that you're the creator, and you saved us, and, and then you realize you haven't made a lot of sense, and so you have to do like a summing up prayer thing at the end. Maybe that's what this is. Paul's just got so lost in looking at Jesus. He's going... Yeah, but he's, he's the fullness of God, and that's how we get saved, just to, to remind you. Or it might not be. It might just be part of the song. But it does feel like, on the face of it, we're on old ground. It's a great reminder. We've seen that he's the creator and the sustainer, the head of the church. He saves us. And this, this Jesus, he is fully God. Except there's a little thing And I wonder if you've noticed it. That sets this apart. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So actually, our title today is a bit off. It's not the fullness, it is all of the fullness. Except that doesn't make any sense. Because when something is full, it has all of what it needs. So Paul's kind of saying he is the full fullness of God. He is all of all of the fullness. It doesn't make any sense. Why have you written that, Paul? Absolute nonsense. But there's a real reason for it. Because this is not just a song or the summing up of a song. This is an education piece. We glorify Jesus and we look at him and we worship him, which is what we've done this morning, and it's worth it just because he's Jesus. 
just because he's worthy of praise. But also, when we look at him, we learn something about our lives and what that relationship looks like today. And actually, that's what's going on here. This is not an isolated five verses, six verses. This is in the beginning of a letter to the Colossians. And there's a reason Paul's writing it, and there's a reason that he says that it's all of the fullness. And so to understand some of that, it's worth looking at who these Colossians were that he wrote to. Uh, The Colossians was actually a church not set up by Paul, the writer of this. Uh, It was a church that was set up by a guy called Epaphras who'd heard Paul preaching at Ephesus. Now, these are lots of words that end with Ephesus, and so I thought I'd make this slightly plainer for us. Let's say that Colossae, where Colossians are from, is Nottingham. Yeah? Can you picture Nottingham? If not, open your eyes. (laughs) You're blinking in it. So, Colossae is Nottingham, right? And a guy from Nottingham, Epaphras, let's call him Ed. Ed from Nottingham goes up to Ephesus, that there London, right? And he meets a guy called Paul, who we'll call... Paul, that's an easy enough name, isn't it? So he meets Paul, and Paul tells him about Jesus, the risen Jesus, through whom he can have eternal life, who he can know the truth, who he can know love, and he believes him, and he's filled with the Spirit, and he goes, wow, this is brilliant. I should tell my mates back in Nottingham. So Ed legs it away from London, he comes back to Nottingham, and he says, hey, Hannah, hey, Chris, there's a guy called Jesus. You know, we always wondered if God was real. Turns out he is, and he came as a man, and he died for us, And, and then he came back to life, and by that, we get the Spirit, and we get to know we can know God and you know truth and you know love and believe for yourself and they did brilliant and the church started in Nottingham (laughs) yay (laughs) and that's actually the story of the church 2,000 years later that's how it's continued to happen who got saved in Nottingham who became a Christian in Nottingham yeah great so it happens it's real it happens today yeah and I bet, I bet when you got saved, when you came to know truth and love and eternal life, it was brilliant. Yeah? Absolutely amazing. Whether you got saved in Nottingham or not, I bet it was absolutely wonderful. And I bet you felt like you were on cloud nine for at least a day, maybe a week, maybe even a month. I mean, I, that's, that's optimistic. Because after a while... Real life takes over, doesn't it? The day-to-day starts to grind you down and you don't feel like you know truth and love and eternal life. You still have to go to work. You still have to be in your family. You have to be a son. You have to be a father. You have to be a husband. You have to be a wife. You still have to do life. And you don't feel that same excitement as before. And that's exactly what had happened to this young church. Now, we're fortunate that we've got the Bible. This is written to them, and it makes up part of the Bible. Therefore, there was no Bible. They didn't have that to fall back on. They just had Paul's teaching and the Spirit alive in them to teach them about how to be, how to maintain this thing. And unsurprisingly, they got a bit mixed up. Not drastically, Paul starts the letter by saying, hey, you know how Ed taught you about love and truth? It's exactly right. You got it. Just by faith. You're absolutely correct. So it's not like they're trying to 
suddenly work out their salvation or try and find new ways, but they're trying to deal with the day-to-day. There must be a bit more. There must be something extra to this. Salvation in the future, I know I'm going to heaven, I know I've been saved by, by just grace, by faith in Jesus, I don't have to do anything, but today I feel a bit rubbish. Today feels like hard work. So there must be something more. And it looks like they've picked up bits of, uh, you know, philosophy from other religions. Maybe they've tried to splice in some of their pagan, Turkish, Greco, Roman history and go, well, that kind of worked for us that day. I felt happy when I had that and I didn't know Jesus then. Maybe they worked together. Maybe they thought, oh, well, Jesus was Jewish. Let's find some Jewish people and find out more about Judaism because that will probably then give us a clearer idea of what we need to do you know, to, to have this... To, to get through the day. And some of it, I'm sure, was just, just their own experience. It's so easy with our experiences day to day, day to day, that we do something and we suddenly find it makes us happy and so it becomes something that we do regularly. Now, my wife isn't here, but if she was, she could attest to every night before I go to sleep, I can't do the standing up, I have to be lying down, but I'm not going to show you. I, I, <laughs> I like to click out my back um, by bending my leg round, touching my head with my toes. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I'm serious. I felt convicted about this this week when I was <laughs> realised this was a ritual, a tradition for me. Because I, and there are some nights I go to sleep and I'm like, oh, I can't get to sleep, I can't get to sleep, I can't get to sleep. Oh, I haven't clicked out my back, stretch. And by this time Cheryl's asleep, I've woken her up, she's annoyed. And uh, she, why are you stretching your back again, aren't you? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I go to sleep, so it works. Hooray! That is the birth of tradition. <laughs> because it works. But that enters into our prayer life and our discipleship as well, doesn't it? this morning was really, really hard and I really didn't enjoy praying. Now, last time I sat in that chair and I had a really good time of prayer. And then the next day, go and sit in that chair again. I had a great time of prayer. It must be the chair. (laughs) The glorious chair. And anyone who's been to my house will know that I do have a corner, special corner, just for me. Um, And I have to remember that it's not about which way I'm facing, but it's (laughs) the zen in the room. (laughs) But it happens, doesn't it? We so quickly fall into tradition because it's based on things that have worked in the past. And this is the new teaching, is a generous way of saying false teaching that had entered the young church in Nottingham. And that's why Paul wrote the letter. Because he says this in chapter 2. Verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. Oops. According to the elemental spirits or elemental principles of the world and not according to Christ. Paul is concerned for this church 
Not for their salvation, not that they won't go to heaven, not that they won't know Jesus, but that they will be taken captive by philosophy, which is not to decry all philosophy, but just ways of thinking that haven't got any truth in them, that are based on human tradition, when we've done stuff and it's kind of worked, which is based on the elemental principles. Because behind all of these thinkings, philosophies, there are powers at work that shape how we create these traditions. It's all the isms that we hear about. Materialism is a huge one. Why do you think I try and sit in the chair? Because I can see the chair. Because I can feel the chair. And the root of that says to me, well, I don't really know that there is a God. I can see and feel and touch things. So even if there isn't a God, I can hedge my bets by the things that I can see. That's the elemental principle that's going on, which forces tradition, which changes my worldview, my philosophy. Another one that's really common all of a sudden is spiritualism. People want to be spiritual. I see it, oh, oh, Grey's Anatomy. I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. I don't know what that means, but it's really common, isn't it? Think about, who remembers when Fabrice Mwamba fell off, uh, fell, fell off the pitch, fell over on the pitch? He collapsed. And what was the hashtag? Pray for Fabrice. Pray for Mwamba. It didn't matter who to, as long as you pray. Spiritualism says, well, there's some sort of unknowable spiritual power going on in the world. Might as well be the force. <laughs> and if you pray to that, then everything will be all right. Do you know what happened? Fabrice got better. Which means that tradition happens, because it worked. So let's do it again which changes our philosophy. Don't get taken captive by philosophy, which is empty deceit based on tradition, based on elemental principles, anything that is not according to Christ. Four, Paul goes on, in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. This is why he's written all of the fullness, the whole fullness, because all of this new teaching was dressed up as fullness. You want to know God? Great, believe, and then add this for a full life. No, there is no extra stuff. He is all of the fullness. He is the whole fullness. There's nowhere else you can go. Now, this, he, the, he's repeating this to make a point, but also he's changing the tense. Uh, if you're a language boff like me, you might notice this. In the old one, he says, for in him the whole fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That means that when Jesus was a man on earth, he was entirely God. This one is in the present tense. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells now, right now. So in case you were thinking, at one point when he was God and man, that was when he was earth, but now he's in heaven, he's a bit mixed and has lost a bit of God. No, he hasn't. He's still completely, 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 completely God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay? And, this is the kicker, you have been filled. You have been filled in him, who's the head of all rule and authority. Because Jesus was on earth as a man, as God, went to the cross, died, rose again, as Ruth told us last week, never to die again, is in heaven, still completely God, still completely man. And then what did he do? 
He sent his spirit. He sent himself, God, to fill us. He is all of the fullness. You don't need anything else because he has filled you. With what? With what is the question that begs? Because it's all very well, Jesus being all of the fullness of God. But when you become a Christian and you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't get everything that Jesus is. Because while he was a baby in his mother's arms, he was still upholding the universe. Guess what? You don't get that. (laughs) Soz. (laughs) Thankfully. You're not God. So, and you don't become God, but you do get filled with God. So what do you get filled with? Well, this is uh, a list from Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology of the communicable attributes of God, part one. <laughs> Which basically means the stuff you get. My bookmark is a stay and play flyer. This is what you get when you are filled with Jesus. First one on the list, spirituality. You want to be spiritual? You want to know that your prayers are answered? You want to be able to pray? Come to Jesus. He will fill you with a new spirit that cries, Abba, Father. That means you get to pray. Knowledge. Wisdom, truthfulness, grouping some together. You get to know God. You get the wisdom of God and you you get to know truth in its fullness. You have been filled. Goodness, love, mercy, holiness, peace. Who wants this stuff? Who wants this stuff? You have been filled. Peace. Chris is going to tell us about next week. Righteousness. And then jealousy and wrath. Ooh. We don't normally think about that. I don't want to be filled with God's wrath. It's a bit scary. But actually, if you get filled with righteousness, you become more and more cross at the injustice of the world. And this is not... We can be, we can be tricked out, uh, you know, caught out here when we, uh, we see that you have been filled because you go, yes, but I still don't feel like that. You think about that young church in Nottingham, there must be something more because I don't feel full of peace and goodness and uh, spirituality and holiness and righteousness and maybe wrath, but uh, I don't feel like that every day. So... What do I do? Well, what do we know about being filled by the Spirit? You go on being filled. You need wisdom, goodness. Come and ask him. He'll fill you. You want to know righteousness? Go on being filled. Now, you might be thinking, I don't know Jesus. 
I, I don't know Jesus. I, I, I've never become a Christian. I haven't decided to follow him. And I think it's not quite right for you to say that I don't know love. Or that I, I don't get upset by injustice in the world. Because I do. You do. We all do. Because we're made in the image of God. Because all of this is what God is like. And he wants us to be like him. So he made us to be like him. But this is the fullness of those things. This is the fullness of those things. And, uh, you know, I've known a little bit of anger against injustice, but I don't think I've ever described myself as the fullness of wrath. And actually, we don't like to think about that, but that's true. God was so cross with sin and injustice and brokenness, so cross. He was the fullness of wrath. And yet, he's also the fullness of love, which we celebrated earlier. Because as cross as I've been about something, I have never given myself entirely to fix it. Might have given some time, some money. Jesus, the fullness of love, gave himself. (laughs) That we could then know it. That's the love that's on show. That's the goodness that we get. You have been filled. The rest of the letter is addressed to husbands, wives, fathers, sons, Chris, masters, slaves, work. So all that stuff that you have to do today to get through the day, He says, you have been filled, so walk in it. Just do it. You've got everything you need. He is the whole fullness. There is nothing else you need. But if you need any of these things, come and ask. You will be filled. We're going to sing in just a sec. The other thing I forgot to mention, I'll tell you just now as I close. This is part one of the communicable attributes of God. Part two is all about purpose. Purpose. He gives us a reason to live. He, gets, he lets us know about what he wants for our lives. He let Ed know what, where he had to go. And he can let you know too. He is all of the fullness. And you've been filled.